It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. There is plenty of discourse around the Miami Dolphins' offensive line, but how exactly does it measure up against the opponents the Dolphins are scheduled to face this upcoming season? That's today here on Locked on Dolphins. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami. Welcome to another episode of Locked on Dolphins. It's your team every day here on the Locked on Network. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked on Dolphins, co-host of the Locked on NFL Scouting Podcast with Joe Marino. I want to thank you guys for making Locked on Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Today is Monday, June 26, 2023. And today's episode of Locked on Dolphins is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on today to get started. Today on the show, you can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And shout out to the everydayers who are locked in with us on a daily basis. The offensive line. I put this one in the holster when I decided I was going to do this exercise and wanted to make sure we we got, got our teeth in everybody first so that hopefully what we're about to go through uh, carries weight because you've seen the process of measuring talent that exists for the Dolphins versus other teams across the league. And of course, we've done the entire defensive side of the ball. We've done the skill group, and it's been an exercise that's been very favorable to the Miami Dolphins. The secondary and the defensive line earlier in last week, earlier in this series, if you missed it, go back, check it out. The Dolphins ranked definitively as top three units and two of the three units on the defensive side of the ball. Linebacker was an above-average group. Uh, I I would say it's a modest linebacker room, but relative to how the league in general is treating linebackers, it's an above-average group. And then the skill group, obviously Miami has improved depth, and and the pillars of Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill certainly set a certain uh, floor, and it's a high floor for the skill group as well. The offensive line, of course, is where Dolphins fans have had a lot of apprehension. Uh, Dolphins fans, uh, uh, many, almost unanimously, wanted to see this Dolphins offensive line get a boost in the way of talent. And Miami's brought in some players. They they signed Isaiah Wynn in free agency, who's a longtime starter with the New England Patriots. He's played both left and right tackle, albeit it's significantly better on the left side of the line than the right side last year. They signed Dan Feeney. There's familiarity from his time in New York playing for Mike LaFleur, the offensive coordinator, and and Packers head coach Matt LaFleur's brother, who's now Mike LaFleur, after being fired by the Jets, was hired by Sean McVay in Los Angeles almost immediately. Uh, So so he was an offensive coordinator off the same tree who was in a fair bit of demand. Um, Those two additions, in addition to drafting Uh, Ryan Hayes out of University of Michigan give the Dolphins kind of the teeth of their group uh, that is 
uh, up and down group, I think is probably the best way to put it. And we're, we're going to talk about Miami's group. We're going to talk about the teams that are definitively above and below in where Miami falls versus the 14 other teams they're scheduled to face this season. So it's about half the league, right? They have the AFC East, the AFC West, the NFC East, and the Panthers as their oddball NFC opponent, and then they have their second-place finishers in the North and South, them being Tennessee and Baltimore. If you're projecting this offensive line as things currently stand, I would be inclined right now to guess that your starting five would be Teron Armstead at left tackle. No surprise there. They're paying him a lot of money. He's been very good. Uh, he played through a lot of injuries last year, but he was largely available for Miami um, throughout a stretch of games in which it, it, a, a lesser player might not have played. If we're being honest, you know, the feedback we got after the season was the recommendation from doctors was uh, that he have surgery that ends his season for the injury that he suffered early in the year. You've got Connor Williams at center. I don't think any contractual dispute or holdout or anything like that is currently in the way of Connor Williams being the team starting center. That That's going to happen. And then Robert Hunt at right guard. Your two other spots, if I had to guess, Isaiah Wynn is amongst those two spots. I would probably give him a leg up at left guard. He's been better on the left side of the line. I think you can make a very firm case that that spot was worse than what Miami had at right tackle last year. And, of course, Austin Jackson does have the runway of having superb physical gifts at his disposal, and he only really played 75 snaps or so offensively last year, and uh, it feels like a system that the, the team wants to see him in because his best strengths and attributes are in the run game, and it is such a play-action, pass-heavy scheme that allows offensive linemen to sell run when they're actually in protection. So I would guess from left to right, it's Armstead, Isaiah Wynn, Connor Williams, Robert Hunt, Austin Jackson is your starting five right now. Um, Isaiah Wynn, of course, gives you some positional flexibility. Liam Eikenberg gives you some positional flexibility. Dan Feeney gives you interior positional flexibility. Uh, Robert Jones can play a couple of different spots. Robert Hunt can play definitely different spots. So the math here, uh, you can get a slew of different combinations. But the entire objective of this exercise is to put these players in buckets and quantify how good the unit is on the whole. So for offensive linemen, we're going to look at the top seven positions. Your starting five, and then your top swing tackle option, and your top utility offensive line option on the interior. We are also waiting this. It's important to note, we are waiting this for uh, positional value. So tackles are more important than guards. And I would make a case that centers are also more important than guards. If you had to put it on a hierarchy, you'd say your tackles are the premier position on the offensive line. I think your center is the next most important, especially with how Miami operates, given the responsibilities Connor Williams has in this offense at the line of scrimmage before the snap. And then your guards are important, and they're the pillars that bridge everything together, uh, but they are the least positional value weighted of the five spots on the offensive line. So with that in mind, 
how would this hypothetical five plus swing players project out? Teron Armstead's a roster cornerstone. Uh, he's going to go in the top shelf when he's available, when he is healthy, when he is playing, even when he's not healthy. He's a top 10 offensive tackle in football. The Dolphins have that at their disposal. At left guard, if Isaiah Wynn's going to step in at left guard, and that's kind of what I'm making an educated guess on right now, uh, based off of precedent and his film and what else the Dolphins have to play with there, I think Wynn gives you, especially on the left side of the line, an adequate level starter. I don't think he's a pillar piece. I don't think he's going to be. He, of course, has dealt with his own injuries throughout the course of his career. Um, He's not going to be somebody that changes the face, but if he's going to significantly raise the floor, even with the ups and downs and putting him on the inside where, again, that run game action can really make an impact, but he's a little bit more protected and he's got a bumper on either side of him as a guard to live on the interior, I think you can get an adequate level starting player with Isaiah Wynn. And Liam Eikenberger is a point of reference as the starter last year for the majority of the season, I thought was a replacement level player with, with the level of play that he provided. Now, your hope is he can continue to develop and, and be more than that. But I thought the play that Dolphins got last year was replacement level quality play at left guard when Liam Eikenberg was in the game. Connor Williams is a quality starter, and Robert Hunt is also a quality starter. So if you're taking this thing left to right, you get pretty excited that everything is an adequate level starter or better from left tackle through right guard. Now, I think Austin Jackson right now quantifies as a high-ceiling replacement level player. Uh, if you wanted to make the argument that he was adequate or he was, he was quality depth because he can play guard, he can play tackle, he can play the left side, he can play the right side... I'd hear you out, but the highs and lows are just so high and so low, or at least they were the last time we saw significant amounts of Austin Jackson. So in the spirit of not giving the Dolphins all of the benefits of the doubt that I possibly could, I'd put him in the replacement level bucket. I think he's an adequate run blocker. Uh, I think the pass protection is kind of the sore spot, and seeing how he assimilates into this system with hopefully a full year of it, is going to determine whether he remains a member of the Miami Dolphins, if he remains a starting player, if he's going to get a crack somewhere else, or if he's going to fall the wayside of some of the other quality or some of the other depth options the Dolphins currently have on their their roster. So that's the five. I'd say you got four adequate level starters are better, three quality starters are better, and then right now right tackle is kind of the big question mark. I think there is a high ceiling there that you can get excited about, but it is ultimately, as things currently stand, somebody that I would grade off of our last significant snaps as a replacement level player. We're going to talk about the depth, and then we're going to talk about the Dolphins' schedule and how those offensive lines stack against that here next on Locked on Dolphins. But before we do, right now is the perfect time for you to get in on all of the baseball action over at FanDuel. Baseball season is in full swing. There's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet, up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet with FanDuel doesn't hit. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet with FanDuel doesn't hit. So take the bat off your shoulder. Take some hacks over at FanDuel. 
uh, and get that no sweat first bet. Go to fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up. Fanduel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. Think of all the amazing things in life that are expressions of you, your favorite football team, what you wear to the playoff watch party, that song that you stream over and over to get you pumped up for the gym, or the recommendations that you share with your friends on the top six comedy podcasts that are best to listen to on a long road trip, or even your new haircut, which may or may not be an epic bowl cut from the 90s and hopefully is. Everything that makes you, you makes all the difference. State Farm believes insurance should work the same way. Your plan, your coverage selections can be personalized by you. And the ability to choose the plan you want by picking the options that fit you, like choosing to bundle your home and auto policies, is what the State Farm personal price plan is all about. Getting the coverage you want at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Your depth options for the Dolphins on the offensive line are, I would give Cedric Wahey the first leg up. If, if the starting five is projected as is, I would say Cedric Wahey's probably your swing tackle. Uh, obviously about 10 years in the league. Uh, he's played in a lot of different spots. There's scheme familiarity here. Uh, a low ceiling, uh, but a modest floor. I'd probably compare him to Brandon Shell, and I thought Brandon Shell down the stretch uh, proved to be a quality depth option uh, for the Dolphins. And he just ended up having to start like 15 games. Your interior spot, Dan Feeney, the fact that you have positional flexibility to play all three spots on the interior, I think that's quality depth. So I think you have quality depth options in both your swing spots. And of course, if Teron Armstead were to go down with an injury and miss three games, hypothetically, you could then take Isaiah Wynn and push him out to tackle and put Dan Feeney in. And then if you had Austin Jackson go down, now Cedric he can go in at right tackle and you have a quality depth player like you did last year in Brandon Shell, but then even if you miss both starting tackles, you still have an adequate level starter in Isaiah Wynn, who's been at his best playing at left tackle. So I think that's the domino effect here, where having the interchangeability in spots five, six, seven, and potentially eight on this offensive line to have flexibility to move them around and feel like the, the bottom's not going to drop off on you is the big improvement on the offensive line. But at the end of the day, you've got Roster cornerstone, adequate starter, quality starter, quality starter, replacement level player as your projected five, and then quality depth at swing and quality depth on your interior uh, swing spot as well. How does that stack against the Dolphins' opponents this upcoming season? I have right down here in front of me the, uh, the list of the Dolphins' opponents listed in how they scored. And remember, this was weighted positionally. So tackles are more important than centers, and centers are more important than guards. I think that the hierarchy of offensive lines between the Dolphins and their opponents, those 15 teams, including Miami, uh, this upcoming season, there's probably four, four tiers. The bottom tier is all opponents of Miami. And I'm going to walk through all three of these teams uh, so that we can gain a little bit of an appreciation for where things stand versus Miami. 
Tennessee, the New York Giants, and the Washington Commanders are all teams who I think have significant deficiencies on their offensive lines that put them significantly behind where the Dolphins were at. Starting with Washington, Charles Leno at left tackle is an adequate level starter. Chris Paul, they remember they parted ways with Andrew Norwell earlier this offseason. Chris Paul's a second-year player, mid-round pick out of Memphis, athletically limited player. I'd say he's fairly comparable to Robert Jones to paint the picture of the ceiling. Nick Gates, they signed in free agency to be their starting center. They moved on from Chase Rulier as well. Nick Gates is probably in the, the light of a Daniel Kilgore, if that name rings bells, for, for Dolphins fans. Uh, so the ceiling there is pretty low. And they have Sam Cosme, former tackle, playing right guard. And then they have Andrew Wiley, who I think is an adequate level starter, who they signed in free agency for about $7 million per season. So adequate level starters at both tackle spots. Miami is a cornerstone and a replacement level player. And then you have two incomplete evaluations between Chris Paul and Sam Cosme on your two tackle spot or your two guard spots. And your center in Nick Gates, I think, is at best a quality depth player. Miami is a quality starter. That line is definitively worse than the Dolphins. Tennessee Titans. They signed Andre Dillard in free agency. He's a, a busted first-round pick. Uh, I'm I, Even if you give him the benefit of the doubt and say, okay, he's played very limited snaps, but he's an adequate level starter. He was just stuck behind the best offensive line, uh, offensive tackle duo in the NFL last year or the last couple years between Lane Johnson and Jordan Maitala. You want to make that argument and say he's an adequate level starter? That's fine. Say he's an adequate level starter. They have a, a top 15 pick in Peter Skaronsky, who's learning a new position to play left guard after he played left tackle for Northwestern. Aaron Brewer or Corey Levin is the center, and I would say that player's in the same gate range no matter who wins the starting job as Nick Gates. They signed Daniel Brunskill, who I think is an adequate level starter and was a Dolphins free agent target of mine on the Dolphins offseason blueprint back in February uh, to, to a, a contract to come in. And then Nicholas Petit-Frere was a third-round pick last year as a natural right tackle out of Ohio State. Uh, who's an incomplete evaluation. So Tennessee has two adequate level starters, an incomplete evaluation, a quality option, and a rookie. Versus Washington, two adequate level starters, one quality depth player, and two incomplete evaluations. The third team in this group was the New York Giants, and the New York Giants boast a cornerstone in Andrew Thomas at left tackle. Uh, He had a phenomenal season last year. But everything else, particularly uh, the right side of the offensive line, was a train wreck disaster. I think it's pretty incredible the job that Brian Dable did to coach and scheme up that team to have the success that they did. Because their interior trio, their, their remodeled interior trio is now Ben Bredesen, rookie John Michael Schmitz, and Mark Lewinsky. What's ironic is each of these three teams has a player that were firm Dolphins targets of mine through the Dolphins offseason blueprint. Michael Schmitz in the draft, and Miami passed on him with their first pick at 51. Bredesen, fringe quality depth slash replacement level player. Michael Schmitz is is an ultimate wild card because he's a rookie. We don't know what you're going to get there. Mark Lewinsky is a adequate level starter at right guard. Started his career in Indianapolis with the Colts. And then Evan Neal, who was a top 10 pick last year, 
Uh, I'll say this about Evan Neal. The tape he put on film last year was worse than anything we've seen from Austin Jackson. For context. Uh, there's a lot of room to get better. I'm sure he will be better than what he was last year. But uh, the the floor right now for Evan Neal is extremely low. So the Giants project with a cornerstone, one adequate level starter, a quality depth option, an incomplete evaluation, and a rookie. Those three do not have the level of talent that Miami has at their disposal. I think there's other offensive lines that do not have the level of talent the Dolphins have at their disposal either. But the Dolphins do not sniff the the highest of the high here with the, the hierarchy of the best offensive lines. I, I think your top four, the, the fourth, uh, the first tier, I should say, is Kansas City, Philadelphia, Dallas, and the L.A. Chargers. I think those are the four best offensive lines the Dolphins will face this upcoming season. And just to give a quick run through those, the Chiefs, I think their interior trio is all cornerstones with what they have with Trey Smith, Joe Tooney, and Creed Humphrey. Uh, they have more cornerstones on their offensive line than any other team uh, that was graded throughout the course of this exercise. Of course, Joe Marino are doing this and come to consensus for all the all, all of the teams with all the players at all the positions for locked on NFL scouting. So I'm pulling that conversation and applying it through a Dolphins lens here on, on this series. Uh, Philadelphia, well, we mentioned the quality tackle combo that they have of, of Lane Johnson and Jordan Maitala. Jason Kelsey at center is another cornerstone type of player. Even, even in his older age, he's still absolutely got it. You saw that down the stretch for Philly. Uh, Second-round pick Landon Dickerson is playing left guard, was a center at Alabama. He's become a, a quality-level starter. And then Tyler Steen right now, they, they lost uh, in free agency uh, their starting right guard who signed with the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, in Isaac Ciamalo. Um, they're replacing him as projected with Tyler Steen, a rookie out of Alabama. So Philly's got two cornerstones, two quality starters, and a rookie. I think that group, plus pretty good depth in Jeff, Jack Driscoll and Sua Opeta, uh, are quality depth options with a lot of positional versatility as well. Those two are the cream of the crop, but I think Dallas also sneaks into this conversation with Zach Martin. They've got quality starters at both tackle spots in Terrence Steele and Tyron Smith. Tyron Smith, of course, there's some injury questions there. If he goes down and misses time, that kind of hurts the group, but then they also have Tyler Smith, their first-round pick from 2022, who played some guard but also played some left tackle with Tyron Smith absent uh, that played really well down the stretch. He kind of cleaned up the injuries. That was the big question mark for him coming out of Tulsa. Uh, then they have Asim Richards as a rookie as kind of their utility guy on the inside to go with Tyler Beattis, uh, who was a Pro Bowl player. Uh, and then Zach Martin, of course, is the, the cornerstone pillar there. So uh, I think that group for Dallas, they've got all adequate level starter, a.k.a. Tyler Beattis, or better with Martin, Tyron Smith, Terrence Steele, and then Tyler Smith is the second-year player who played very, very well for them. Uh, and then uh, the Chargers getting Rayshon Slater back healthy, getting Corey Lindsley back healthy, re-signing Trey Pipkins, who I think is an adequate-level starter. I, I think Lindsley's a quality starter. I think Rayshon Slater's a top-five left tackle in football, so he's a cornerstone player. Pipkins is an adequate-level starter. The question for the Chargers is their two guards. They have a first-round pick in Zion Johnson, and they have a 
late round pick from last year in Jamari Salyer, who actually ended up playing tackle when Slater went down and played very well. So I think those guys have a certain floor, especially with both of them being guards and, and getting the other players back healthy for the Chargers. They, you know, they were down their two best offensive linemen down the stretch last year. So I think those four kind of stand above those four teams, uh, the Eagles, the Chiefs, the Cowboys, and the Chargers. We went through the three teams that I, I think are uh, definitively the bottom three out of the group of 15, and then the Dolphins are in one of those two tiers in the middle. And we're going to stack them here as we bring this episode of Locked on Dolphins to a close. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So we've covered seven teams, which uh, I can do this math. 15 minus seven is eight. The other eight teams, and I'm going to list them in the order of which I think their offensive lines are graded. Carolina, Baltimore, Denver, New England, Miami, Buffalo, Las Vegas, and the New York Jets. Uh, we've extensively gone through Miami. I, I would put Miami in the bucket with Buffalo, Las Vegas, and New York, which means they are the very top of the third tier. I think they're pretty close to both Denver and New England, but I do think Denver and New England uh, have marginally better groups uh, on the whole when looking at all seven position spots when factoring in for positional value. Um, we'll start with the Jets. Just kind of go through their tackle situations, kind of messy. Right now, it's Dwayne Brown, Max Mitchell, and Billy Turner slash uh, Mekhi Becton. Can he return back to what he was that made him a top 15 pick? But Dwayne Brown, at this stage in his career, definitively slowing down. Max Mitchell's a second year player. Billy Turner is well established what he is and what he is not. I think he's a quality depth option as a swing utility sixth offensive lineman. And then Mekhi Becton, who the heck knows? But he hasn't been good, and he hasn't been healthy, and he's been in shape. So I think your tackle group, again, tackle being the premier spot for the Jets, is, is a pretty uh, unattractive group. But I do think the interior is in pretty solid shape with Elijah Vera Tucker, Connor McGovern, and Lakin Tomlinson. Those three players, I have Vera Tucker win healthy, and he could play effectively all five spots on the line. I think he's a quality starter. Uh, I think with a healthy season, he could push for cornerstone status. And then McGovern and Lake and Tomlinson, I think, are adequate level starters. Joe Tipman is a day two pick for them is a really nice addition. But again, that, that doesn't help solve your tackle issue. I think the Jets' issues are with tackle. Uh, the, the Raiders, Colton Miller, I think, is a quality starter at left tackle. They have Andre James, who had a nice year for them last year, kind of surprisingly. I think he's an adequate level starter at center. And then they did strike gold with Jermaine Illuminor. And if that name sounds familiar, it was a name that was in camp for the Dolphins. And the Dolphins moved on. And lo and behold, he claims the right tackle spot for the Raiders and played high floor football for the Raiders last year in a run-heavy offense. Now, it makes sense. It's a run-heavy offense. You know, Josh Jacobs led the NFL in, in rushing yards last year. 
Uh, the interior for the Raiders is, is Dylan Parham as a second-year player who was a third-round pick out of Memphis, and then Alex Bars, who I think is a replacement-level player. They don't have depth. They've only got one quality starter definitively right now in Colton Miller. I think the floor for the rest of the group is, is too low. Uh, and I think that holds them back from from surpassing the Dolphins. And then the Bills. I think the Bills have two quality starters, two adequate level starters, and uh, they, they find themselves with their fifth offensive line spot, kind of in a spot similar to Miami in my mind. Uh, Deion Dawkins, I don't think he's as high ceiling or as high floor as Teron Armstead, but he's a quality starter, no doubt in my mind. Mitch Morse is a quality starter at center. I think he's comparable with his impact to Connor Williams. Uh, I think Miami has the edge at uh, right guard with uh, Robert Hunt over Ryan Bates. I, I think Hunt has more power. I think Hunt has more pop. I think he has more ability to reset the line of scrimmage. The Bills bringing in Connor McGovern and David Edwards uh, to kind of compete for that left guard spot. I, I think both of those are adequate level starter quality players. And then their right tackle is Spencer Brown, who was a developmental type out of FCS football and uh, missed some time with some injuries and is a late bloomer and has all the physical tools in the world, but is uh, Jalen Phillips eats him alive when he plays him. So that should paint a picture that sounds pretty familiar with their right tackle situation. I think the Dolphins have a very comparable group to Buffalo, who, by the way, signed Brandon Shell as a quality depth option to be their swing tackle. I think the Dolphins and Bills have very comparable groups, but I think Teron Armstead is the best player out of the group, and I think they have a leg up at right guard as well. So I would put Miami's unit just in front of Buffalo's, which means there's four other teams that Miami sits very close to, but I think do have a leg up. They are Carolina, Baltimore, Denver, and New England. And good context for for all of the discourse around free agency and the offensive line this offseason. I know I, know I did this content already because I looked at the history of Top contracts given in free agency. But Denver signed like $120 million in free agency to give to two of their five starting players in free agency that are new players on the offensive line. And they're both adequate level starters. Mike McGlinchey got like 18 per and Ben Powers got like 13 per to start at left guard and right tackle. And I think they're adequate level starters. That's the downside to doing business in free agency the way that if you wanted to bring somebody in and say, oh, we want to upgrade right tackle, we'll sign McGlinchey. Okay, well, that's $18 million per season. <laughs> it's um, it's a hard pill to swallow. And I don't think those contracts will age particularly well, but I do think there is an elevated level floor for Denver where Garrett Bowles, win health, he's a quality starter at left tackle. And then Powers, Lloyd Cushenberry at center, Quinn Myers at right guard, and Mike McGlinchey, I think are all adequate level starters. I think the consistency of that group of having adequate level starters are better across the board, and I think they have better depth because they brought back Cam Fleming, and they have Quinn Bailey as a positional flexible guy on the inside. So Fleming can play both sides of the line as a utility swing tackle that I think is better than Miami swing tackle. I think they have a higher floor across the board, but I do think Miami has the best player in Toronto Armstead. Very close. If you wanted to argue that Miami was in front of Denver, I would hear that out wholeheartedly and, and not probably take any exception uh, to to the discourse. New England, a uh, lot of upheaval in this group. Uh, I think depth is a question. They drafted like three offensive linemen in this year's draft to go with some young players. Cole Strange is a year two player who they drafted in the first round last year. Uh, Trent Brown at left tackle. 
Uh, he certainly regressed last season. Uh, I have him down as an adequate level starter. Uh, David Andrews and Michael Nguyenu in the middle, I think, are quality starters for New England. And then Riley Reef, when healthy, is an adequate level starter at this stage in his career. Once upon a time, he was better than that, but I don't think he is anymore. So New England grades comparably to Denver's because there's consistency across the board. Cole Strange, for all of the discourse about when he got drafted, uh, did play well down the stretch for the Pats. So I think you've got five adequate level starters or better. I think you've got a number of quality starters on this group. But this is not a unit that can afford to take on injuries. And Trent Brown needs to be better this year than he was last year. Now, that should happen with Bill O'Brien and a much more organized offensive structure and scheme. Um, but again, if you wanted to make a case and an argument that Miami had players that their high marks, high watermark for their best players was better than New England's best players and that Miami deserved to be in front of them for that case, I would hear you on that. There's separated by a few hundredths of a point is the separation between Miami and New England and Denver. Those three teams, I think. So Miami, if you were to stack all 15 teams, the way that I read them off with Miami being at the top of the third group uh, would be ninth. But I I think you can make a very firm case to them to be as high as seventh, Uh, but still probably behind Baltimore and Carolina. Uh, Baltimore with Ronnie Stanley, Ben Cleveland, Tyler Linderbaum as a first-round pick last year who was phenomenal, Kevin Zeitler as a uh, quality starter at right guard, and then Morgan Moses, Patrick McCarry is their one through six, and then Sam Mustafer is a positional flexible guy on the inside for them. Uh, I think Linderbaum is a star in the making. Ronnie Stanley, when healthy, is is a cornerstone caliber player himself. Uh, Zeitler's a quality starter. Uh, Morgan Moses gives you a higher floor at right tackle. And then Carolina, uh, I think they have three quality starters in Ike McQuanu, who was a top 10 pick last year. Uh, Austin Corbett at right guard, who was a, a, a nice unearthing for them. They, they rolled the dice on him, brought him in via trade when he started his career slow. Uh, and then went to Los Angeles, kind of had a revival, and then they brought him in and paid him. And then Taylor Motana is a quality starter at right tackle. So I think Carolina has uh, three quality starters. I think Bozeman and Christensen, their other two starters, are adequate level starters, so they've got a very high floor across the board. Uh, they just don't have the depth. But I think their starters, their starting five, has a leg up over Miami, personally. When And again, all of this is graded out, factoring for positional value. So tackles are worth more points than centers, and centers are worth more points than guards. So Miami having Robert Hunt, who might be a better uh, tackle than, than Brady Christensen, as an example, uh, that doesn't help you as much as Taylor Moton being a quality starter versus a replacement level starter and Austin Jackson at right, t- right tackle. So there is no perfect system. Uh, I do want to acknowledge that. This is just the methodology of a, a been kind of in player evaluation and, and roster construction and team building. Been about 10 years now, which is crazy to think about. Certainly makes me feel older. <laughs> but, uh, it's been kind of the passion project that has fed my entire journey through football. And uh, as you gain perspective and as you try different ways of quantifying things, it's the best I have right now to, to quantify these subjective evaluations uh, it is an approach like this. And, and what it gives is Miami out of 15 teams between themselves and the 14 they're scheduled to face this year, I'd say they're somewhere between seventh through ninth on the offensive line. Is it Kansas City, Philadelphia stratosphere? No. 
And if that's the case that you want to make to say, well, those top two teams that you're playing this year were the teams that played in the Super Bowl, and they also happen to have the head and shoulders, two best offensive lines in the game, point taken. But at the same time, the risk of getting there is doing what Denver has done to put themselves and to spend a lot of money, a lot of guaranteed money, a lot of salary cap space for adequate level starters to come in and put themselves in a position to debate whether or not they have a better offensive line than the Dolphins do. It's interesting stuff. The only thing we haven't talked about yet is quarterback. We did that on purpose. You're going to want to make sure you keep it locked in here. On Locked On Dolphins, it is your team every day. I appreciate you guys for checking out the show. I hope you have a great rest of your Monday. Let's have a banger of a week this week. I'm Kyle Krabs. I'm out of here. Shout out to the everydayers who are locked in on a daily basis because it is your team every day. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. I am out of here. Peace. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL Draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.